Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today we are speaking with Claire Bidwell-Smith. Claire is a therapist specializing in grief and the author of three books of nonfiction, The Rules of Inheritance, After This, When Life is Over, Where Do We Go?, and Anxiety, The Missing Stage of Grief. Claire offers numerous online programs for grief in addition to working with people one-on-one. Led by her own experiences with grief and fueled by her work in hospice and private practice, Claire strives to provide support for all kinds of people experiencing all kinds of grief. In addition to having given dozens of talks on grief, Claire has written for and been featured in many publications including the New York Times, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, Scientific American, The LA Times, MSNBC, The Chicago Tribune, Goop, Oprah Magazine, and Psychology Today. She deeply loves her work and is devoted to expanding the conversation about grief and loss. Welcome, Claire, and thanks so much for visiting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We are too. As Stephanie and I prepared for our podcast launch back in November, we did lots of research on the topic of grief with the intention of figuring out who we might approach to be guests. Your name came to us quickly, mainly (laughs) because of your books, and we're pleased you're here. Before we go too far, though, could you offer some background for our listeners and let them know how your personal journey has brought you to this point? Sure. It's always funny to hear how quickly my name comes up in this world. It is not what I imagined doing when I was a kid. (laughs) Um, I did imagine being a writer, which is one thing I've done. I've written three books about grief and loss, but I came to this work from a really personal place. When I was 14, both of my parents got cancer within a few months of each other. I'm an only child and my mom died when I was 18. And then my father died when I was 25. And so I, you know, went through years of hospitals and chemo and surgeries and then these deaths. And it was really pretty traumatic and very difficult to go through, particularly the loss of my mom. We had been very close and she had a difficult time facing the end of her life, which meant that none of us did as well. And so when she died, even though she'd been sick for a while, it was shocking. And I was unprepared. Not that we are ever prepared to lose someone we love, but I just didn't even know it was coming. And then my father had a really different experience because he, he really wanted to face the end of his life and he chose to go home and have hospice. And I was his caregiver and we kind of like walked together up until the end. And it was a really beautiful experience. And so those two different deaths informed a lot of the work I do today. I ended up going back to get my master's in clinical psychology and became a therapist. I worked in hospice for a while, and I've now been in private practice for almost a decade. It's it's unique to us that so many people that we all would consider specialists in grief or in talking about grief have been led there personally by one path or another. So I think that makes all of us very, very special people. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's an important part of it. I think grief is so unique. And if you haven't been through it, it's really hard to understand the depths of it. And so I think the people that are drawn to doing this work are coming from such a place of just wanting to help others through what they've been through. Right. Right. And the fact that it's different for every single person just makes it more complex even. That's Mm -hmm. right. Your most recent book, Anxiety, The Missing Stage of Grief, really speaks to both Stephanie and I, as we both carry a diagnosis of anxiety anyway, which is likely hereditary in our family. Having said that, however, I admit I never really placed anxiety along with grief. So I found this concept intriguing. How is anxiety or how can anxiety be part of grief? Yeah, that's a good question. And you are not alone in your anxiety diagnoses. I think it's uh, more popular than ever these days, not popular, but uh, more common than ever for people to experience anxiety and, and have some amount of it in their lives, you know, for multiple reasons too. But I developed my own anxiety after my mother died. I began having panic attacks, hypochondria, social phobias. And like you, I did not link it to my grief either. I just thought there was something wrong with me. Even until recently, there wasn't a lot out there that linked grief and anxiety. So even when I was kind of looking for it, I did, I came up empty. And for a long time, I just thought there was something wrong with me. And then when I was taking a trauma psychology class at one point, I all of a sudden began to see a lot of commonality in what I was experiencing and how it was directly linked to losing both of my parents and my, my mother's death. And, and so I started to really study it. I began to write articles about it online and I got flooded with responses from people saying, oh my God, is this a thing? Is this real? I, you know, my dad died recently and I've been having panic attacks or I think I've been anxious ever since I lost someone 10 years ago or whatever the case was. And so I began to have all these clients in my office and that became a really good opportunity to be able to see just such a range of how people experience anxiety after a loss. And that was what led to me writing the book. But it's really common. I mean, it makes sense. When we go through a big loss like, like this, it, it really, it does a number of things to our lives. I mean, it can, it can rip the, the rug right out from under your feet, which is very right. jarring and disorienting. You can go through a certain amount of trauma watching someone you love mm-hmm. go through an illness or a sudden death. And then it's this massive reminder of our mortality. You know, I think we go along most of the time thinking that, life is going to be as planned. And then when something like this happens, it makes you feel like everything is uncertain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a big topic. And, uh, and, and I'm really happy to have the book out there because it seems like more people than ever need it. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So I can understand that it's been how, that, how anxiety might be prominent in the initial phase after death. You might be figuring out some paperwork, financial issues, um, and all those details. Does anxiety remain a part of the grief journey as time passes, or does it eventually dissipate? Yes and no. Both. I think that anxiety can be a little bit insidious, like it can get its hooks in you, and you can get stuck in a pattern and a cycle of it. You know, we can start doing one of the things that's really common in grief related anxiety is catastrophic thinking which is where we start to worry all the time that something bad is going to happen. Whether it's we're worrying about our own bodies and health and our illness, you know, worrying that we might get cancer and die too, or, you know, someone's coming home late and we worry they've been in a car accident. And so that kind of catastrophic thinking can become very addictive and habitual. So it can last for years if you don't try to put a stop to it. 
Fortunately, there's a lot of really simple and easy things you can do to, to start getting a handle on it. But until you're actually paying attention to it, it can really just kind of get stuck in a cycle. So for some people, yes, anxiety will dissipate after the initial loss. For others, it kind of stays. And for those who are predisposed to anxiety or already experiencing it, they'll likely see an uptick in the beginning after a loss. Right. And then they may just see reoccurrences. You know, maybe, maybe there's triggers of your grief around the holidays or an anniversary, a birthday. The anxiety might ramp up at those times too, and then kind of go back to a lower level the rest of the year. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I appreciated when, when I was reading your book was the anxiety check-ins at the end of each chapter. Mm-hmm. I listened to it as an audio book. So while I was driving and it, I kind of found myself at first when you would, you would say that I was just like, oh, oh yeah. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm like slouching and I'm like, grip, you know, gripping the steering wheel and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I need to relax. And you don't realize what, when you're tightening up and everything like that. So. I found that that was, that was very, and then I kind of started to expect it. I started to hear it and I was like, okay. (laughs) And then your voice is also very calming. So it was very nice. (laughs) Is this a common feeling for people that the more you talk about it, read about it, reflect on it, that your truths come to the surface? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of doing some of the work around it is talking about it, addressing it. We tend to stuff things away that are hard to deal with or painful, but the more that we stuff them away, you know, they end up spilling out in anger, anxiety, depression, but also anxiety is such a funny thing. We can become anxious about the anxiety. So when we talk about anxiety, it can make us a little more anxious just because anxiety is kind of scary in and of itself. We don't know when it's going to come on. We don't know how it's going to manifest. A lot of people worry about having anxiety attacks or panic attacks. And so when we talk about it, they feel like they're kind of opening up the door to it. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, like, um, like, uh, when we, the, the idea of when we're on an icy road and our car begins to skid, the advice is always to lean into it, right. To, to Mm -hmm. lean into the curve rather than trying to pull out of it. And the same goes for anxiety. The, the more we can kind of lean into it and face it, the better we can kind of grip on it. That's a great analogy. I really like that. Mm Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use that in my own thoughts. <laughs> For me personally, I've had several losses in my life from a newborn baby to my father to my mother and most recently my husband who died almost three years ago. That's a and lot of loss. I, <laughs> it is. Um and each was vastly different. Vastly mm-hmm. different. But I really don't feel anxiety played a huge part in my grief. Though it did rear up, I will admit, I can, mm-hmm. I realize that now reflecting back. At the time, though, I would never have acknowledged anxiety as being in there at all. So for me, uh, as I read your book, listened to your book, I, I really enjoy the audio book when it's the author narrating it because you really get their true intention. So mm-hmm. thank you for doing that. I found your information and your tips so beneficial just in helping me understand better and coping with my own generalized anxiety issues, Hmm. not necessarily even about grief, but about my anxiety. Yeah. And it makes me far more comfortable just knowing that I can recognize when my anxiety is starting to increase in intensity. Mm -hmm. My tendency before your analogy was to put the brakes on and say, Mm -hmm. wait, 
you don't need you don't need to worry about that. What's the worst that could happen? And you go through those scenarios. But I like yours better. You know, lean into it, <laughs> let it pass. Yeah. Let it pass, move on. So I appreciate that. Now, do you feel, in your opinion, that once someone is equipped with some tools and resources, like those that can be found in your book, everything can be managed so that their grief journey may be less painful or less severe? Yeah. I mean, like we kind of talked about at the top of this, everyone's grief journey is so different. And even for you, you know, it sounds like four really big losses and each one is so different. You know, our, our grief is, is different depending on the relationship we have with the person, depending on how they died, depending on our personalities, depending on what kind of time of our life it is, you know? Um, and so all of those things come into a factor. And while I think there are healing and coping techniques that are beneficial to everyone who's grieving, it's going to look different and everyone's going to have a different timeline. The thing I really like to emphasize and think is important to emphasize is that there is no specific timeline for grief. Grief can last a lot longer than most people realize. I mean, right. it can follow you into your whole life. Right. Not that you're going to always be acutely grieving, you know, the like on your knees on the kitchen floor kind of grief all the time, but that mm -hmm. this loss will always be with you and part of your life and right. will impact your sense of self and relationships and life choices. Yeah, I, I was also pleased to find later in your book, you talk about planning for your own death and you offer definitions of legal terms, which I found so great <laughs> because so many things come your way all of a sudden when you're dealing with the death. And for me, with my husband, um, he had cancer. He had a brain tumor. So I knew that the death was coming. I knew this was a terminal illness, terminal cancer. And he declined slowly at first and then more rapidly as the end grew closer. So I had some time to think about these things. But for people with an unexpected death, you are just totally blindsided. Like you said, you have the rug pulled out from under you and you're just trying to catch your own breath, mm -hmm. let alone deal with everything else. You go very mechanically, perhaps, to the funeral director and they start laying out certain things. And sometimes you can get a, a false sense of security, if you will, that, oh, this person's going to help me through it. And then all of a sudden the funeral's over with and here you are by yourself again, yeah. still with these things to figure out. So your legal terms were very helpful. And you also had that checklist and some questions that need to be considered. Mm -hmm. Now, Stephanie can vouch for this. My mother planned everything to the most minute detail before she died. Mm -hmm. She finally died at the age of 92. She lived a long and fruitful life. But in her china cabinet, for example, on the bottom of each little knickknack or salt and pepper shaker, she had a post-it note with the name of the person who gave it to oh, her. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so that that person had dibs, so to speak, right. when it was time to dole everything out. The sad part, the sad part was that nobody really wanted those things back. But of course, my mother wanted you at least to have dibs on that. Oh, that's great. So, so when her death came, from my perspective, being it's just my my brother and I. So from my perspective, being the one here where my brother was in Florida, mm -hmm. I was the one left to take care of the funeral arrangements and everything as it's my brother was job. making his way up. But again, she had every detail planned out. She had already gone to the funeral home. She'd already picked her casket. 
She'd already arranged, made arrangements to be buried by my father in the cemetery. That was all prearranged. The only thing we had to do was decide what kind of flowers we yeah. wanted to offer. <laughs> and we did change the location because she didn't die in a home setting. She died in a nursing home. So we opted to have her funeral service, more of a memorial service, really, at the chapel in the nursing home mm-hmm. so that the people that cared for her for two or three years could also attend and have closure if they wanted. Yeah. So we did that. So that was great. But again, man, if you don't plan that. Right. Well, I mean, I love this for so many reasons. I think it's a real gift to you, you know, to you and your brother and your family. It's a real gift. I think um, a lot of people are afraid to, to get into that much detail, especially when they're younger, when you're young and healthy and you think you've got 40 more years, you're definitely not often doing this kind of planning. However, I think two things that are really beneficial about doing it, even when you're young and healthy, are one, it can decrease anxiety. If you have anxiety about dying or what would happen, it can help decrease anxiety. And two, it's just a gift to your loved ones. I mean, it can be so difficult to have to sort through and manage someone's life after they're gone. And it can also be, you know, really sad and hard for the person who's grieving. Right. And so I think that doing some of that work for yourself is, you know, is just Everyone should do it. And I think especially in this last year of COVID, we realize that more than ever, that we don't know what's around the corner at any time. And it is more important than ever to kind of have our affairs in order. We didn't fi- we didn't think, of course, uh, the grandkids, like we thought it was so morbid that she was talking about this mm-hmm. stuff. And we, you know, we didn't want to think that way. And why is she telling us this stuff? So we didn't realize then that it was going to be so helpful in the <laughs> long run. So I guess we have to get over that, you know, stigma of, of not talking about it and talk about yeah. it so that we know what they, what their wishes are. Yeah, us. absolutely. There's a really, there's a great gal. I, I wrote about her in my book. Her name is Amy Pickard and she has a company called good to go. It's like good. And then the number two to go. And she has rock and roll dance parties at people's houses and helps them put their affairs in order. She went through the opposite experience of what you went through with your mom. Her mom died and left just really a tangled mess of papers, home stuff. There was just, she couldn't, Amy couldn't find anything. It took months to unravel it all and was a painful experience for her. So she created this company where she's like, let's make it fun to have this. And, And I actually hosted one of her death planning parties at my home in Los Angeles a few years ago. And it was great. I had all my friends who are my age come over and we sat around and talked about it and we made plans and wrote down a lot of stuff. And it was such a relief to do and fun to do it with friends. Well, that's a great story. I wrote her name down because I think we might be contacting Amy. Sure. Yeah. I'd be happy to put you in touch with her. <laughs> that would be great. And I know I can't, I can't let the story about my mom and her details go without saying she had, as I said, in her China cabinet, post-it notes under every little piece. <laughs> she, we all should have bought stock. And the 3M company because post-its were her favorite thing. And it was so known among the granddaughters, the four granddaughters, Mm -hmm. that at calling hours at the funeral home, the oldest granddaughter pulled out a little post-it pad from her purse and started writing notes. And the four of them stuck them under end tables (laughs) at the funeral home for for people to find later. That's so sweet. And of course, the situation was completely different for my husband, who was a retired army, a Vietnam veteran, 
and didn't even want to, when he was ill and knew he was dying, didn't even want to accept that fact. Mm -hmm. So didn't even want to consider any life support or anything like that. And it was, it was very traumatic. That's when anxiety reared its head for me. Absolutely. But then um, I wanted to plan a funeral that was fitting for an army veteran and a Vietnam War vet. And I did that, but it took a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And then you constantly worry, is this enough? And ultimately it was, but I personally have known the difference in those two. And at that point, planning my husband's funeral, I remembered thinking, oh, thank you, mom, for doing that, mm -hmm. you know, because it made such a difference. Yeah, definitely. I love talking about this stuff. It's, uh, it's just so helpful and important. Mm -hmm. So Claire, this was a great chat that we had today. And I just want to thank you for uh, spending the time with us today and allowing us, allowing us to speak with you and uh, putting this podcast out to our listeners. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful to you guys for, you know, making space for these conversations. Thanks. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to offer you the time to let our listeners know what they'll find if they go to your website, as well as about the many books that you've written. Yeah. Uh, my website is just my name.com, Claire Fabel Smith. And there are grief courses available. There's meditations, um, links to all of my books and talks. Um, I have three books about grief and loss. They're all available anywhere books are sold. And then there's a lot of resources. The website's pretty chock full of, of things you might uh, be looking for if you're grieving. That's great. Um, again, we appreciate you so much. We will have information on your website, how to contact you in the episode notes on the podcast apps, as well as on our website. And we'll also offer links to the books in case people want to order them just to make it easier. Is there another book in the works? Not at the moment. Okay. Down the road, yes, for sure. Great. And uh, right now I'm working on a lot of really exciting grief projects. Oh, well, watch yeah. the website. And <laughs> yes. Stay tuned for information. Absolutely. The help you have given us today through your words and your writing for me are just so, so valuable. Mm -hmm. You've helped me in my own reflections to see things a little more clearly and understand myself even more. And I have valued that over the last year or so of my life, really digging into me and understanding me better and why I do some of the things I do. So your words again and your time is so valuable to us. Thanks. And for our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I know you, like us, have found this very, very helpful. Go to Claire's website and check out the resources. I think you'll be very happy. Grab her book, Anxiety, The Missing Stage of Grief, or one of her other ones, or all of them. <laughs> Read them and help yourself as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.